Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I, just one thing I want to say is uh, I understand the frustrations of the fans that they have. I'm a professional baseball player, so I, I'm, I'm trying to do, do the, the best that I possibly can. And, and one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them the reasons to cheer for me. And Eduardo punches uh, one through the hole. Base hit. Here comes Lindor. Blade with the throw to the plate. Lindor is safe. And the Mets win it. It's the month of Escobar. Five RBIs, including the game winner of the 10th. And the Mets win it 5-4 to four to go a game up on the Braves. Thank you for everything, guys. I love you for the power de la pica. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, September the 29th, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silver. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media, and you can show an Apple podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silver at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silver at talkingmetspodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as risingapple.com. The month of Escobar, you heard it on the way in. You heard from June to last night, and then the excitement, the pure excitement of Eduardo Eduardo Escobar, as the Mets have a great come-from-behind win at the most critical time. And the theme of the show is this postseason in the air. And you know why I know this postseason in the air? And I had to come to you as the Mets head to Atlanta for this pivotal, you know, division-changing, division-potentially-clinching series because for the first time last night, you felt like it was the postseason. You really did. And I know that's crazy to to hear because they've had so many big series, the Atlanta series in August at City Field, and throughout the month of September, despite the fact that they're playing – sub-500 teams and have struggled against sub-500 teams. There's been big game after big game, and they had the series in Milwaukee and the big come-from-behind win in Milwaukee. But I feel like playing on the road, and it's funny I'm saying this because I was so critical of Mets fans, playing on the road just has not had the same juice, although the Mets have been much better, and I'll get to that. We have a lot to get to. We have that. We have DeGrom. I got a little feeling of how the atmosphere in Atlanta will be from a buddy that's going down there and covering the ball game. 
postseason roster. So we, we're going to jam-pack a lot into this State of the Union, about a half an hour here. So we got to get to it. But for the first time, it's the postseason. And what was weird was that there was this, like, duality going on. And I'll give you, like, my story that here I am watching the Mets game as you get into the ninth, watching Escobar tie the game, ninth inning rally that fell short, getting into the tenth inning, Drew Smith, big outs, and then, of course, you guys know what happened in the bottom of the 10th with Escobar. And while I'm doing that, I'm trying to keep track of the Nats game. Now, I have the MLB.TV package, so I'm watching the Nats game. So it was weird because in that 10th inning, I'm watching, well, that was the ninth inning. I'm watching the Nats. I see C.J. Abrams you know, win the game with a single. And then about 15 minutes after, Escobar wins the game doing exactly what you want to do in that situation. They got a shift on you, go the other way. I mean, basically, I mean, in an environment where there's exit velocity and all we worry about is how hard to hit the ball and launch angle, all Escobar did was place the ball where it had to be placed. And it reminds you, if you didn't even know this, you knew, you guys know this. If you listen to the show, you know this, that baseball is a game of redemption. And at this time of the year, as you get into the postseason, as about a week or so from Right now, you're going to have real postseason games that we're going to be talking about. Players that don this uniform, or any team's uniform, that otherwise, if you go to their baseball reference page, are nondescript, all of a sudden become long-term household names. I'm sitting here in this office right now, and I'm, I'm doing the show in my studio, and I have a beautiful sign that I've had it for over 20 years. Beautiful sign photo of Benny Agbayani completing his home run swing, game three of the NLDS, 2000. Signed by Benny Agbayani, 10-7-2000. And Benny Agbayani had a couple of okay seasons, but he was with the Mets, what, three years? He was basically a 4A player, had a nice career in Japan. If you go into the list of Mets, you're not going to really remember Benny Agbayani other than the fact that he was a fan favorite because he was an underdog. And Mets fans always love those underdogs. But that game three home run, a game that I was at, that's why I have it. I was sitting in the last row of the upper deck at Chase Stadium on a very cold October night, a critical game. Put him into Mets lore forever. We want to talk about Bobby Jones the next day. Though Bobby Jones was a decent middle of the rotation guy, but he's in Mets lore forever for a one-hitter. Timo Perez... For his contributions in that 2000. I know I'm sticking with the 2000 theme, but, you know, these are the kind of players I'm talking about. I mean, you can't talk about Ioannis Cispedes and Daniel Murphy because those were big-time contributors. But Murphy falls into that as a postseason guy, a name that will forever be in Mets history. And I think he might not have been as remembered as a Met, even though he's a solid baseball player, if not for that postseason run. So... Basically, this is the time of year where guys like Escobar or maybe a Terrence Gore and Tomas Nito, who almost hit the ball out in the ninth inning. These are the guys that all of a sudden are going to be, for Mets fans, household names forever. Even if the team doesn't win a championship for their contributions and be forever canonized, then maybe one day, two decades from now, when they come back for old timers, they will get a huge standing ovation. So that's how you know postseason's in the air. You got me doing the dual screen. You've got a little chill on the pumpkin. You go a little chill on the pumpkin. You get up in the morning now. It's 58 degrees when you start your car. You, your coffee, which you would drink in all summer if you're like me, to get you going. 
has a nice little bite. Maybe some pumpkin spice. Because now the pumpkin spice is available. If you're into that, a little spice going on. A little cool air. And now it's about the Mets taking care of business. Forget about the Marlins or their inability to beat the, the Braves, the Nats, the Cubs sweep of the Mets. All this other garbage doesn't matter right now. Because right in front of the Mets, and you guys have probably read it. You don't need me to tell you is a situation where you have three scenarios. You probably right now would sign up if you had to make a deal with the devil. Hey, give me one game, get me out of there with a tie, and then I'll go take my chances against the Nats. Not a sure thing. Nats don't want to to play spoiler. I think the Marlins would like to play spoiler too, but who knows what they, you know, you can't figure that team out. They lose a ton of one-run games. They shoot themselves in the foot time and time again. A nice scenario and a very good scenario, one that you certainly will take, is two out of three. Coming out of there with a two-game lead with three to play gives you a chance to stub your toe against the Nats and get the job done. And then Nirvana is in about, let's say, 72 hours or so, we're talking about a division championship because the Mets go in and sweep the Braves. That'll be really tough. And I will tell you, the Braves and the fans, I talked to a buddy of mine who works, and he will be working. He will be in the press box this weekend, and he, and he does a number of – all I'll say, I don't want to tell you who he is, but he covers the, the, the MLB, and he, he does a lot of stuff in Atlanta. And he told me this morning – I called him this morning because I knew he was going down to Atlanta, and I said, so tell me the truth. They hate the Mets down there. He goes, Mike, they are out for blood. They got three sellouts. There was no way they were going to move the game for Hurricane Ian. Turns out they were right. I looked at the weather report just before I came on air. Weather.com looks like it's there's no rain in the forecast all of a sudden. So it doesn't even look like they're going to need the doubleheader. And, uh, and, you know, you heard Casey Stern a couple of weeks ago. You got Mark Bowman of MLB.com trolling the Mets fans. I mean, our friend Justin Descato's there, and I don't think he hates the Mets. But, you know, you look at them fans. You look at the media. They don't want to see the Mets come in and be successful. Now, do I think the Braves and Brian Snicker and and with the way that the players are, do they hate the Mets? No, I don't think they hate the Mets. I don't think that this is go put your Yankees hat on, Chipper Jones from 1999 scenario. And nothing that happened with the Mets and Braves in the 90s matters now. None of these guys. Some of these guys, Jeff McNeil was what, you know, eight years old? In 1999, there's guys on this roster on both sides that weren't even born yet. So I don't think that, but but I'll tell you what, the Braves are world champs and world champs don't go down without a fight for the most part. And they're not going to go down without a fight. They don't want this division to be ripped apart. Now it's pretty clear what you're playing for. The winner's going to be taking some time off. And for the Mets, that could be big because right now Starling Marte, who's been a huge loss, doesn't sound like he's going to play the rest of the regular season. And I'm not sure, based on what you heard Buck talk about, that he's a shoe in to play if there's baseball at City Field a week from tomorrow on Friday in a three-game wild card round. I don't know if he's a shoe in there. And LDS, different story. So it might be critical for the Mets. Both teams, I think, because it looks like it's going to be the Padres who are going to be the second wild card are going to be facing, whoever goes in, a team like in San Diego that has an elite, maybe the best hitter in the sport in Soto. Uh, They have Machado, who might might be there at number two or certainly in the top ten. 
They have really good starting pitchers. And they have a closer who has struggled, but we all talk about Edwin Diaz. This guy, Hater, he was Edwin Diaz before Edwin Diaz was Edwin Diaz here in New York. So basically, there's a lot to play for. I know the attendance at City Field hasn't been great, and I'll get to that in a minute. Because some of that is the Jewish holiday, I think. I think people forget. And there will be a Jewish holiday next week for the final three games. So you might see that happen again. Big Jewish population here. I don't have to tell you guys here in New York. It's a big deal, especially next week's holiday. It's a big deal. So that might be playing into it. So the Braves and the fans want blood. This is going to be a cauldron that the Mets are going into. But guess what? Here's the good news. Back in December, when Max Scherzer signed and we did the show here, Mad Max is a Met. You can go back and listen to it. When you put all that money out, when Steve Cohen did the recruitment, and we were sitting there dreaming of the top of the rotation of DeGrom and Scherzer, this is way before we knew that DeGrom was going to have issues with his uh, a stress fracture in his, in his shoulder. This is what the vision was. Going into a short series, lining these two guys up, and telling the competition, the opposition, and say to them, hey, big guys, we got double barrel action going here. Maybe the two top pitchers in baseball, if you want to argue that. One and two, two and one, whatever you want to rank them. Go beat them. And at that time, we didn't know that the Mets have this elite closer that right now is having the season of his life and very well may be turning a corner where, in his prime, the Mets might have their version of a Aroldis Chapman like the Yankees had a few years back, or their version of Josh Hader, which the Milwaukee Brewers had. The best closer in the game. And at that point, you have 21 to 24 outs figured out in these games at an elite, elite level. So all you got to do is figure out three. Not easy. And you got to score a few runs, which without Marte in the lineup has been harder than I think the Mets would like to admit. But you saw guys come up big. And the hope is that the two guys that have carried this offense for most of the season, and Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor, will go into Atlanta and have themselves a series. And I think it was Mike Vaccaro that wrote about it in the New York Post today. If this team, which has continued to show us who they are night in and night out, is who we think they are, they're going to come away with at least a game. And maybe two. And who knows? when you have the kind of big three they have lined up, what could be. Now, here's what I will say, and this isn't hedging my bets. Whatever happens this weekend, one way, the other, win, lose, or draw, however you want to look at the results, will have zero impact if the Mets are playing in a wild card series next Friday weekend. And let's say if they get, the, even if they win the division, then they start the NLDS you know, about a week and a half later. Because once the tournament starts, nothing matters. Whatever happened in April certainly doesn't matter. What happened in August doesn't matter. What you did during the regular season means nothing. Because that's where it comes down to. The amazing part about this whole baseball thing now, where, well, at least you don't have to play a one-game wild card thing, right? That, that would have been annoying. And that would have even been worse for a Mets team or a Braves team that wins 100 games. Now they're going to have to try to figure out how to beat San Diego in a random winner-takes-all. You saw what happened with the Mets with San Francisco a few years back with that exact scenario. But all this, all this work, all this blood, sweat, and tears for the fans, all this time invested, all this stress, all it gets you 
is a spot in the tournament and a position in the tournament if you win the division. That's it. And you heard Billy Epler all the way back before Thanksgiving last year, almost a year earlier, talk about how even the best teams in baseball, the Dodgers, teams like that, have you know a 17 to 18% chance of winning a championship. Go to Fangraphs. They've had the odds up since day one. And they change, and they go up, and they go down. The Mets go higher, the Dodgers, this and that. And that's it. So basically, you do all this work. You go through all this stress. And when you really boil it down to, you're back to zero and zero. Nothing matters. doesn't matter if you won 100 games or 86 games. You have one bad inning, one bad start, make a bad pitch in the wrong spot, make an error. You're down one zip in either a three-game or five-game series, and you're staring down the barrel of a must-win right away. And, okay, best teams have a one in, let's say, five chance of making it out of the tournament. If I told you you have a one in five chance of making it home today in your car, would you feel good that you were going to say, hey, honey, I'm home? It's just, it's perspective. It tells you how hard it is to win and what have you. So, you know, keep that in mind as we go forward with this. This is a lot of fun, and I think I want you guys to have a lot of fun with it. I think the fans have forgotten the Mets are in the playoffs. I think the fans have forgotten a little bit that, and that's really my point about the fans. I was hard on the fans on Twitter last night. I think the fans have forgotten that this is a 98-win team, a team that will win, I'm pretty confident saying, 100 games. They probably need 101 to 102. I think they need four more wins to get this done. How they get it, one here, three next week, two and two, three and one, I don't care. Like I said, a team's going to win the amount of games they're supposed to win. How they get there, whether they have a hot first half, not so great second half, or they're consistent throughout, or whatever, it doesn't matter. A 102-win team will win 102 games. They could be 155, and they're going to probably go two and you know uh, five their final games because they're going to be a 102-win team. doesn't matter. That's how the 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 balancing out of of numbers in baseball works. That's why you got to feel good about Degrom tomorrow, and I think it's a good move by Buck Showalter putting him in because he's he's due for a swing back on the law of averages. Everything I said about Degrom, I stand by. A week ago, he came up really small in a game that, by the way, if he had come up normal, not even great, Mets would be in a really good position today, two games up, going into Atlanta. But that's in the past. He could race all of that with a great start tomorrow night against the Braves. Just like Max Scherzer went into Atlanta back in the middle of the summer when the Mets weren't playing so well and you know, basically set the tone for that series before the All-Star break, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been right after, right before, somewhere around there. Can't quite remember exactly. Doesn't matter. You guys know, you know the series I'm talking about. You know the game I'm talking about. But the fans, to me, have to remember what I said about the probabilities. I also think it's almost like this team, which has gone through what we call the getting-to-know-you phase, which has gone through, hey, this is what we need to get things done, which is now in the get-it-done phase, which continues to get it done, maybe not in the way you want it. Maybe they've lost a few more games this month than you would have liked. But every time they've been tested, like the last couple of road trips, they come out smelling exactly how you'd want a pennant-winning team to smell. Four out of six on a road. Maybe, you know, they haven't played as well at City Field. And maybe that's the law of averages. As I said, 
and I think it was C.J. Abrams, I have to find the clip at some point, said it last night, we want to spoil people's seasons. Of course they do. These guys are pros. These guys have, you know, some of them, like, yes, they were the, the 30-year-old, you know, reliever coming in for the, was the night before, Brazabone, you know, guy that was in uh, the independent league. These guys want to be here and have a job. You got to take it seriously. Just because they are a 95 loss team, that it's not like they're going to Central Park and picking up people off the street to play the game. Then you'd have a gripe. I mean, come on. I told you this was going to happen. This is hard. Should they have beat one, one game, one, one more game against the Cubs? Look, the Phillies are having issues against the Cubs. I think the Cubs pitching is pretty well. Teams like the Marlins and Cubs that have good starting pitching are dangerous at this time of the year because they're going to stay in the game. And like I said, any big league club that in the seventh inning games 2-2, whatever their record record is, means nothing because they're one pitch, one at bat, one play away from basically putting your back against the wall. And I think Mets fans have to remember that. And I feel like my criticism of Mets fans, I have to parse it out where there's Twitter, which is obnoxious. And then there's, I feel like City Field has been a problem for the Mets. And I told you that. Yes, the attendance and the juice isn't there. Is that the wild card? Perhaps. Is that the Jewish holiday? Perhaps. There's a lot of reasons there. I think part of it, and I said this all the way back, going back to when I talked about Keith Hernandez Day, the yoke around this team's neck, part of that breakthrough is breaking a past demon. The, the, the Braves are an old demon that keeps showing up in front of them. So they're facing a demon today. Different demon, but the same costume on. So that's how part of breaking, breaking that yoke, that big yoke around their neck, is 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 going after the demon. It's yoke, I know. I keep saying it like a Long Islandese. The yoke around the neck. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one. Triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey, Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 
Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Part of that is the fan base creating some of their own self-fulfilling prophecy. I feel like at City Field, forget about Twitter for a minute. I feel at City Field that they sit on their hands and they wait for the action and for something to cheer. They tell the team and their attitude is, you need to show me you're worthy of being rooted for. Now, I haven't been to a lot of games. I was the game a few weeks back. It was a Saturday night. It wasn't all that tense that night, but different circumstances. Mets were playing, you know, coming off a couple of wins and there was a little bit more of a cushion. But this week, especially against the Marlins, I felt it was that way. Tight as a drum. Now, when things happen, like they did late with Escobar, they got into it. And Buck said the fans were great. And Buck is Buck knows how to play the game. Buck knows how to make everybody feel good. That's why he is who he is. That's why he's a Hall of Fame manager. What he's doing, you know, with the whole Mets brand, he knows what he's doing. He's trying to bring this this brand out of the sewer and change the perception and, and say, hey, you, you, you're, you're good. You deserve. It's almost like a, uh, a therapy session. Buck's part therapist, I think, this year. But if this is how you're going to be in the playoffs, sit on your hands tight with agony. I mean, the, the camera pans to the agonized fans and the praying and the, oh, my God. I mean, I mean it's like you might as well go to the dentist and get your two teeth pulled, that, pulled out with some of these people. That's bad energy, and I'm sorry. You want to think it's voodoo, and you think I'm a kook, and you want to write me and say that? Bad energy from the fan base in that ballpark is going to be manifested by this team and make their job that much harder. When you go and you watch the Mets down in Atlanta, they're out for blood, those fans. And I know, oh, we're New York, we're not Atlanta. Well, guess what? When the Mets go in there, they're not going to wait for the Braves to do something good. You're going to have to shut them up. You know, you shut them up by striking the Mets out, uh, striking the Braves out over, over, over again, like Scherzer did that night a few weeks back. But they're not going to sit around and wait for the action to happen and then cheer. They're going to try to make the environment hostile. Now, I read the athletic article where they talk about, you know, City Field's like a nightclub. And I laughed when I saw that because I guess, is that Timmy Trumpets? Is that because of the smoke that billows up when they come out? The loud music? Whatever. I, I laughed when I saw an anonymous player say it's like playing at a nightclub. That's pretty cool, I guess, right? Not an, not what I've expected. But outside of the Timmy Trumpets and maybe some of the loud music that comes from their uh, PA system, I mean, I don't think it's an intimidating place because the fans are almost like 
in agony saying, you know, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst experience of my life because something bad's going to happen. And I get it. You got 30-something years of pain. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But come on. What do you, you think? Chipper Jones is going to step up to the plate as a pinch hitter and beat you? Andrew Jones? Tom Glavin's going to take the ball? Well, Max Fried could be, a, you know, sometimes you wonder if he's Tom Glavin reincarnated. What is Charlie Morton, John Smoltz? You know, who's Kyle Wright? Is he John Smoltz? Is he Maddox? None of these guys are Maddox. So, you know, that's my issue with the Mets fan at City Field. My official Mets fan on Twitter is they're just it's just a, it's negative. It's negative. It's a, that's like that's a vent. That's like a bullhorn that people use. To, it's like when you go in your room and you scream because you're so frustrated. You go to Twitter now and you tweet. Step away from the social media, guys. You sound like a dope. I like there was this one guy that was on. Was like, oh, I go to 15 games and uh, this team is, is not worthy of me. Then, then stay home. I guarantee he didn't go to 15 games. That didn't happen. And if you did, I don't care. Doesn't mean that you're any better. It's a bad fan. And I'm not saying be Pollyannish, but but sitting around and waiting for the the other shoe to drop, it, you know, after this team has proven itself time and time and time again, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy and it's adding uh, it's adding unnecessary additional challenges to a, a team that's going to have plenty whether they play San Diego or whether they play St. Louis in the NLDS or somehow the Phillies or the Brewers make it through and they have to play them. I mean, every team is going to be hard. Even the bottom playoff team that's going to finish somewhere with 85, 86 wins. I mean, think about with this wild card set up, the Mets of 2019 make the playoffs. That would have been a team that would have been a problem for anybody in the postseason. Look, last year we talked about the Mets. If DeGrom had come back at the end of the year, how – Nobody would want to have played them with DeGrom and Stroman and Walker. And that's before they had Scherzer and, and, and Walker pitching like he's pitching now. And Bassett. I mean, they didn't have Bassett last year. This is a much more dangerous team. So you got to look at it from the other's point of view. So that's all I'm saying. I am critical of the fans. You guys can get mad. You want to unfollow me. You want to do this. You want to do that. I'm justified. I think I have very valid points about my issues with the Mets fan base. And right now, I think it's going to be incredible when City Field has a playoff baseball, whatever, whatever day it's, it is. And I hope that this is all on the back burner. And I know next week you're all going to be disappointed because there's going to be sparse crowds against the Nats, even if those games mean something because of the holiday. But when the bell rings, City Field's there. And I hope it's more like when I had a show back in the summer of 2019 when they were making that run and they had that series against the Nats where the Mets fans were so pumped up and so good. That was the series when Todd Frazier hit that home run, and then they came back the next night, and Guillerme hit a home run, and Lugo got a big save. And I was like, I, that was what my vision has been of what City Field could be. It's just like, but there's so much damage of, the, of, of disappointment that this franchise has, has, I guess, inflicted on the fan base or that the fan base has felt that I feel like they've regressed. So I hope that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, whatever, whatever's the bad guy, is that Dr. Jekyll's the bad guy? I hope Mr. Hyde shows up, right? The good why? I don't know. You guys know I bumble this stuff. I think it's Mr. Hyde, right? Dr. Jekyll? I, I watched the play, and I can't remember who the bad guy is, who the good guy is. Anyway, all right, a couple of things before we wrap up here. Because ultimately what you want is to get to baseball. You want to get to winning a division. You want to get to watching a team win a division or put them in their, themselves in a position to win a division in the next week. 
the postseason roster. I've really been thinking about this and a couple of things I want you to think about because there will be postseason baseball, this, whatever happens this this weekend. Number one, and I said this in passing, and I think it res- deserves to be repeated, Tomas Nito should be the starting catcher going forward. James McCann has been hurt. James McCann has not gotten going offensively. James McCann had a Hammond injury, which is probably going to prevent him from getting going offensively this year. I said all these things months ago. Nothing changed. Now, Tomas Nito is not anywhere near, even with his hot streak, a league average hitter. Although he was a very good minor league hitter who just hasn't translated in the big leagues. He's a very good defensive catcher. Has always been since day one. And I think the biggest difference I see with these two guys is that McCann has never gotten going defensively. He's almost slumping defensively. And Tomas Nito is not. And I think that that's really important in the postseason. So I would expect Tomas Nito to get the big at-bats. And he seems to be, even with his, you know, below, significantly below league average overall numbers, even with the hot September. And there's a guy that almost hit the ball out to dead center yesterday that would have won the ball game. He got the big hit to start the rally against the Pirates on that Sunday when Terrence Gore came around. Now, that brings me to the second part of the equation, which is Terrence Gore, which I never thought, like I told you guys, guys who you never would think would would become infamous or famous. No, infamous is a bad thing. Famous in Mets history. Well, maybe infamous. You could say, I guess. I don't know. doesn't matter. A Terrence Gore was not the guy I had on the bingo card back in spring training. And when I heard that he was brought up, I'm like, eh, they need this guy. But unlike Billy Hamilton, who was a fast runner, but really had sketchy instincts on the on the base pads. Terrence Gore, and you've heard him speak, does a lot of work on his on his trade. Um, probably could have played in the NFL with the kind of sixty uh, yard dash that he's that he puts out with four four point two or something. And I think if you put him on the base paths, there's a guy that is really dangerous that all of a sudden becomes a weapon. And I think that that's a guy that you're going to need on the postseason roster. And I think that's a guy that potentially uh, could be talked about, maybe not in the Timo Perez, Benny Agbayani lore, but might be sometimes mentioned down the road as guys who had an impact on a significant event in Mets history. Now, that probably requires, if, if Marte comes back and is healthy, that requires them doing a couple of things. Maybe not putting... Tyler Naquin on the roster or Darren Ruff. I know you old guys don't want Darren Ruff on the roster, but we'll get to him in a minute. Or only carrying 12 pitchers. Now, I'm okay, I think carrying 12 pitchers, and I know that you guys are going to think it's wacky, but you're going to have a starter that, especially in a short five-game series, you're going to have a starter that's going to be able to come out of the bullpen and give you length. And you're also going to have Trevor Williams. Assuming they, you know, because they're not going to not put Carrasco on the roster or Walker, depending on who doesn't get the start. Williams will be in the roster. So if you get 12 pitchers, you got your Bassett, Walker, Carrasco, Scherzer, DeGrom, that's five. Diaz, six. Adovino, seven. Lugo, eight. You've got Trevor Williams, nine. May, 10. Then you go Drew Smith, 11. And I guess Joely Rodriguez or David Peterson, 12. I think he goes Joely Rodriguez. And maybe Drew Smith could get himself in the circle of trust. I said that Drew Smith, McGill, and Peterson probably can't get into the circle of trust before the year is out. I stand by that, but I think Drew Smith, at the very least, has put himself in where he'll be on that postseason roster. I don't think McGill or Peterson will be, unless they trust Peterson more than Joely Rodriguez, and Buck's behavior year-to-date has been the opposite. So I don't 
I, I don't believe that's going to happen. Now, Vientos, you're going to say, where's Vientos? Vientos is not ready for the big time. He's just not. I don't care what his minor league numbers are. I don't care, you know, what you think. I don't care what you think about Ruff. So my thing is, if they're going to go 13 and 13, I think Ruff gets kept off the roster. And you would go with Guillerme, McCann, Vogelback, Naquin. That would be 13. That means Gore is not on the roster. So to get Gore on, you would have to probably not put Ruff on the roster. Assuming you don't, you take the extra pitcher, and you might not be able to take Naquin because you got. Well, hold on, you got the nine: the Nito, Alonzo, McNeil, Lindor, Escobar, Cannon, Nimmo, Marte, DH, which is Vogelback. Okay, let me do, let me do this again. Vogelback. So that's nine. Guillaume's ten. McCann's eleven. Naquin's twelve. And Gore's thirteen. And then you could go thirteen and thirty. So you could do thirteen and thirteen. And still do that. So I'm wrong on that. Now, that means Ruff stays off. Now, if you want the righty compliment to Vogelback, you know, that's the question. Do they want that? You got to get Ruff on, and you probably either got to keep Gore off or take one less pitcher. I think Gore is more valuable than putting McGill or Peterson on this roster. Because if you're getting to McGill or Peterson in a game, it's going long. Or they're doing garbage time. I know you guys like the garbage time, I said. And uh, that's valuable, but you could use Carrasco or, or Walker for that stuff. You know, you can use Joely Rodriguez for that, like you've done. So that's some of the, you know, the things I've been thinking about when it comes to this postseason. Nito, starting catcher, Drew Smith, may not be in the circle of trust, although he was last night, but he's certainly giving us something to think about. Let's, you know, we'll see. I've still, maybe that lat was the issue because he, he was starting to make me nervous there with his command as we got towards the middle of the season before he got hurt. Terrence Gore, I think, is a weapon that's necessary in a short series. No Vientos. And then, uh, you know, obviously not carrying Darren Ruff has an impact with the lefty-lefty matchups. I think it also depends on who they play and what kind of bullpen they have. So that, I think that that's where Ruff... It's hard to speculate. We'll have to get back into that when the matchups are more clear. And here's what I'll say. I'm 100% in lockstep with Buck. Guys like Darren Ruff who have a resume, I go with those guys. Vientos has no resume. He doesn't. It's as simple as that. And it will be interesting because I think... Hopefully Marte gets back. I think with Escobar finally hitting, and he's hitting in the second half. I know it's all really in September, but he's got an 830 OPS in the second half. You know, I said that Escobar was kind of like the Mets version of Scott Brocious earlier in the year at third base. He's that veteran. You know, the fact that he could really lengthen that bottom half of the lineup that earlier in the year, that 789, when Escobar wasn't hitting, you had to almost wait for the lineup to turn to get something going. Last night, that was the part of the lineup that basically won the ball game between Nito, who didn't win, but it, you know got you know, put them in a position to win Escobar, and so on and so forth. So, buckle up. It's going to be a, a fun weekend. It's going to be a stressful weekend. I think you're going to see the the formula that is the formula from day one. I've told you is the success blueprint for the Mets. Strong six to seven innings out of their elite starters. They got the ninth inning figured out with Diaz. 
You score that crooked number of four runs some way, somehow, whether it's an Alonzo three-run blast, a dink, a dunk, a this, a that, a bink, a boom, a hit-by-pitch here. And then you got to sweat out those three outs with Lugo, Adovino, well, six, depending if it's, you know, how deep the uh, the starter goes. Lugo, Adovino, May, Drew Smith, whatever. Just going to have to sweat it out and have faith that the big guys like Adovino, Lugo, are going to be able to get the job done. That's what it's going to be. And there's going to be some stressful moments. There's going to be some big pitches that are going to have to be made this weekend. So the postseason's here. Postseason is in the air. That's the theme of the show. It's here. And again, whatever happens this weekend, good or bad, will mean not a darn thing once the tournament starts. But it's a pretty damn good spring training warm-up, if you want to call it that. It's not like playing out the string. It's a pretty damn good spring training type postseason warm-up. Not spring training, postseason warm-up for this club. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the big weekend of baseball. We'll be back with another Talking Mets Podcast after the series. Look for it on Monday. Until then. Take care, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.